0: The sermon text reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 7-10. through 10. So, to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Here I am. Good morning. It's great to be with you guys. Uh, I was excited when Mike invited me to, you got a little spillage there, um, to preach to you guys this morning. Let's let's pray again. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Lord, we come to you as your people, uh, perhaps some who are not yet your people, and we uh, plead our need. Lord, we are in need to hear from you this morning. So, Father, as you have promised through the work of your Son and the power of your Spirit, speak to us this morning, each and every one of us, where we are, what we need to hear. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Uh, Well, uh, when Mike asked me to uh, come in and preach while, while Scott is away, uh, on sabbatical, he told me that uh, you guys are entering into a sermon series called See, Seeing, Savoring, and Showing Jesus, and uh, preached on encounter with Jesus. Um, and and I, I got to listen to Mike's sermon, and it was a, a great way to, to start off. Uh, and his message was this, that we need to encounter Christ. That's how we're changed. That's how we're transformed. That is the ordinary Christian life. Uh, it's like Saul, the Apostle Paul, who met Jesus, who encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, and his life was utterly changed in a moment. Um, uh, there's nothing we need to earn the love of God, but it's a gift when we come into his presence. And if if that's your story this morning, uh then you're part of the family of God. But if you're here this morning and you've never encountered Jesus, uh, I know I would love for you to come to talk to me or Mike or anyone here, a member of this church, who would love to talk with you about how you can encounter Christ yourself and come into relationship with him. But encountering Jesus doesn't end with that initial conversion. Uh, just as any Good marriage ends at the honeymoon, right? A good marriage continues with regular uh, encountering one another, husband and wife. We need to encounter Christ regularly uh, to continue to change, to continue to know him, to deepen our relationship with him. It's what the scriptures call sanctification, which simply means growing in holiness, becoming more and more like Jesus. So as I thought about uh, where do we encounter Jesus, um, you know, I reflected that we encounter Jesus every day. He's with us wherever we are. There's there's incredible ways, big and small, that we can encounter Jesus. And as I sought the Lord, uh, I felt led to pray, to pray, to preach about a particular place where we encounter Jesus, where all of us encounter Jesus on a regular basis, and that is in our weakness. This is a subject I've become particularly passionate about because myself and my family, we've entered into a season of weakness. And the Lord has met us uh, over the last few months, over the last few years, at a particularly difficult time in our lives. And uh, he's shown me that the world tells us that weakness is something to be hidden. Weakness is something to be ashamed of. Right? When we feel weakness, what's our initial response? Well, at least mine is to run and hide, to, to put that under a rock so that no one else will see it. It's embarrassing to be seen as weak. And this is what the world, the flesh, and the devil, those are our three great enemies, what they want us to believe. But what I've been learning over these last few months is that it's actually, when we do that, when we run from our weakness, when we hide it from others, when we when we suffer from shame, from experiencing weakness, we we actually cut ourselves off from one of the most important places where we do encounter Jesus. So what the world tells us, the world, the flesh, and the devil, it's a lie. Because as our passage says this morning, Jesus' grace and power is made perfect in our weakness. And so that's what I want us to look at this morning. How do we encounter Christ in our weakness? Three points if you're taking notes or if that's helpful for you. First, we encounter Jesus in our weakness. Second, we encounter Jesus' comfort through our weakness. And third, we help others encounter Jesus when we're willing to boast in our weakness. So you can actually map Mike's sermon on top of this one, Seeing, Savoring, and Showing. So let's walk through this together. First, we don't want to hide from our weakness. We don't want to hide it from others. Because this is exactly where we encounter Christ. Let's look again at verse 7 and 8 in our passage. Paul says, So to keep me from being too elated, or I think uh, on the screen it said conceited, by the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh. A messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being too elated. Uh, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Three times he pleaded with the Lord. Paul has just gotten done uh, telling the Corinthians about an incredible experience he had with the Lord. And in fact, he was taken up, he says, he's not sure if it was in the body or simply a vision, but he was taken up to the third heaven, to the highest pinnacle of heaven. He saw the Lord, he beheld the Lord in a way that words could not convey. And yet he says uh, that in that he was in danger as in a response to keep him from becoming too conceited, thinking too highly of himself, the Lord actually gave him a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan. Why would the Lord do this? Well, it's here in Paul's words. He was in danger, as many of us are, of believing that he could walk this Christian life alone. That that this gift of God, ironically, this gift of God, this being taken up to the third heaven, may have made him think that he was really uh, worthy of that in and of himself that he could walk this Christian life alone. And so the thorn in the flesh, these calamities, these weaknesses, insults and hardships, said were there to remind him of his real need for the grace, the love and the compassion of Christ. It was actually that experience of weakness that drew him to the Lord. But again, don't we hate feeling weak? Don't we hate Running up against our limitations. I think probably for 21st century Americans and particularly Atlantans, those of us who live in a fast paced city, one of the, the things we hate the most are our limitations. We wish that we could go, go, go all the time. We experience burnout. We don't rest well because we don't like feeling weak. And when we do, and when we experience calamities and hardships, often our first response is, God, why have you left me? But Paul's message to us is that in many cases, when we experience hardship, that is actually the Lord coming near. And this is something I've uh, been experiencing in particular in recent months and years. I said at the beginning, my family and I, we've been going through a particularly difficult time Of weakness, and that is uh, because in January I resigned as the pastor of the church I planted some 12 years ago. And I wish I could say I resigned uh, from a position of strength, but the reality is I resigned in a place of weakness. Over a number of years and, and some difficulties in the ministry, I came to a place where I realized I was spiritually, and emotionally exhausted. And as we looked, we even hired a consultant to come in and to help us analyze and figure out what's wrong, what are we doing, where are we going as a church? We, we got a good picture of where we need to go. Uh, but to my disappointment, as as that came into clarity and as I saw where the church needed to go, I also came to realize that I was not in a place to take the church there. It was the hardest thing I've ever had to do was to admit that I didn't have what it took to bring, to lead this church that I loved, the people that I loved, uh, into this next season of ministry. I felt extremely weak, and I was deeply ashamed. I felt that I had let the congregation down. I felt that I had let Jesus down. (laughs) I felt that I had let my family down. I questioned my call to ministry. I sought the Lord, and I said, did I, did I hear you wrong? Isn't this what you wanted? Weren't we following you in faithfulness? There were a lot of hard, tearful conversations, and all I wanted to do was to run and hide. I actually announced my resignation, and Early December, and I stayed to the end of January. And so those two months were filled with a lot of pastoral visits where people were asking, Why? Why is this happening? Uh, and it was extremely awkward. It was extremely painful to be into the, in their presence and, and actually minister to them and explain what was going on. And yet, that was actually a major way that the Lord began. To minister to me. Though I desired to run, desired to hide, didn't want to see anyone because of my my shame, my wife, friends, spiritual director in my life encouraged me not to hide, but to, to bring my shame before the Lord. And there was a particular moment of prayer when I went before my Father in heaven and I just asked. Am I a failure? Is there anything that I've done over the last 12 years that was worth anything? Did I make a mistake? (laughs) What's going on? It was in that moment, that moment of prayer, that moment of silence and solitude, when I sought the Lord with all of my heart, that I actually heard the Lord's voice. And he said in that moment, he said, you are not a failure. You are my son. And I love you. I love you not because of anything you've done, not because of anything you've accomplished, but simply because I've chosen to love you. And for any failure, any limitations, any weaknesses in you have not diminished my love for you. One bit. One moment. And you see, I I began to learn something through this season, and that is that the sinful human heart, which Paul calls the flesh, even for us Christians, it, it continues to cling to its own righteousness, its own good works. Even as we confess, I know that Jesus died for my sins and 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 he is my only hope. Yet still when there's something good that we've done something that we feel an amount of success in we we tend to cling to that or our flesh tends to cling to that and says yeah i know jesus died but but jesus probably loves me too because i'm a good pastor i'm a good father i'm a good mother i'm a good business person i'm a good whatever right our flesh seeks to find its own identity and worthiness and it's not until that thing is removed that we're really faced with the question, who am I apart from these things in which I take great pride? And they can be very good things. These can be subconscious things that we're not even aware. And it's the Lord's kindness to, to bring these thorns in the flesh, these times of suffering, and even to remove these good things from us, to bring us to this place of question, and really this place of encounter. Who am I if I'm not who I thought I was? Because it is just there, when those things are removed, that we are actually free and able to hear this message from the Lord, that I love you just for who you are. Because I have chosen to love you apart from anything else. That is a message that we all need to hear. That the Lord loves you. If you are in Christ, if you've placed your faith in Christ, our confessions are never perfect. We continue to struggle with sin. But you need to hear, just as I need to hear on a daily basis, that you are loved deeply by the Lord. You are adopted into his family. You are a son or a daughter of the king, and you are well-pleasing in his sight. Just like that last song we sung. Not because of us but because of Christ. But that doesn't diminish or shade God's love at all. He loves us as he loves Christ. Amen? Amen. We need to see and encounter Jesus to know that we are loved. Okay, second, we encounter Jesus' comfort through our weakness. Let's look again at verse 9. This is Paul has just asked three times that the Lord would remove this thorn in the flesh. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. After leaving, stepping away from Village Church, I had I had two main priorities. Um, well, really three. The first one was, am I still called to ministry? <laughs> so... The month of February was dedicated to seeking the Lord with that question, which he reaffirmed, uh, that I am still called to ministry, for which I was grateful. But after that, my two priorities were to seek healing from the Lord and to begin, begin to network with others. Check, check, check. Did I turn my cell phone? No? Uh, to, to network with others looking for where the Lord might call us next. Um, And as I would meet with people, mainly, initially, other pastors who I knew, um, are we good? Do I need to do anything up here? Walk that way? Oh. That's okay? I probably did something. Check, check, check. Okay. Um, Something unexpected happened. Uh, as I began to meet with other pastors who I knew, you know, they would inevitably ask, "Why are you leaving Village Church? What happened?" And uh, again, because of the encouragement of others, I shared with them uh, what happened and the the difficulty of the decision. And inevitably, almost every time, somebody said, "Man, that reminds me of the story of transition in my own life." And they would share. Uh, a difficult time, whether it was transitioning from one pastoral role to another or a difficulty in their family or or something like that, and I found that I became incredibly hungry to hear these stories. Uh, networking rather than a slog rather than embarrassing, I realized uh, that I'm walking away from these meetings incredibly encouraged and so I began to reflect on Why that was. Let me just hold this. Uh, There were two things that I realized. One, in hearing these other stories, it counteracted the narrative in my head that, uh, I don't know, can you relate with me? When you go through a particularly difficult uh, time of suffering, you just think, no one has ever suffered as I am suffering. Can you relate with that? No one has ever been hurt the way I've been hurt, no one has ever been betrayed the way I feel betrayed. But as I met with these other pastors and friends, I heard their stories, and I realized, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. Others have suffered the same ways I have suffered, and and in some cases, far worse, far, far worse than I suffered. And as a result, I was able to reflect on my own experience and, and actually see the grace of God at work in my own experience. And I was able surprisingly to give thanks to God that even in the midst of suffering, he was meeting me and my family. The second thing I noticed uh, about these stories of transition is that they allowed me to see God's faithfulness in the lives of others. These were people, daughters, and sons of God who had walked through the valley of the shadow of death, and God had led them through to the other side. And as I saw God's faithfulness in their lives, in my own doubts and fears, I began to think, well, maybe God will be faithful to me. Maybe God will be faithful to my family. I was deeply encouraged. Let me just share one quick story. Uh, I was meeting with uh, an older gentleman, someone that I've known for years and have great respect for. And again, as I shared my story, he said, let me me tell you uh, my story. Uh, and he ha- has had a long career of leading organizations, being the, the top person in this organization. And, and one in particular, years and years ago, uh, an organization he helped to start. Uh, over, after just a few years, he felt that he had been pushed out of the organization and, and betrayed by the very people he had helped to raise up. And out of this organization, he had poured his heart and soul into. And it took him months to look for another job and, and to find another job. But he said that in that next job, in that next season of life, the course of his life was changed incredibly. He was introduced to issues of, of poverty and racial injustice. He actually was able to move his family into a, a struggling neighborhood and became deeply aware of struggles uh, of of the poor community. And he helped to start a uh, missions organization that continues to thrive to this day. And in that process, he and his wife met a young girl who they eventually adopted. And so as he related this story, telling me about this deeply painful experience in his life, he said, it was that painful moment that set me on this trajectory that I would never want to give up. We never know what the Lord is doing. In our lives, not only to set us on a different trajectory, but through that pain, allowing us to experience his love and grace. That's what Jesus says here in our passage. He said, he said to Paul, no, I'm not going to remove this thorn. In fact, I gave you that thorn so that you can experience this, that my power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. And so, beloved, when we experience weakness, when we experience suffering, what, what Paul, you know, gives a list here, calamities and insults, hardships, persecutions. When we experience our weakness, we experience Christ's strength. And so rather than run away and hide, as the world tells us to do, we're called to run to Jesus. And when we run to Jesus in our weakness, often the reason I think we don't do that is because we think Jesus is probably a little bit at least, maybe a lot, disappointed, right? Man, I was really counting on you. I really thought you had what it took to to accomplish this. But in reality, when we run to Jesus in our weakness and in our failure, what we experience is a Lord who is full of compassion. Uh, there 's a book that came out a year or two ago uh, called Gentle and Lowly by dane ortland and he ma- it 's a great book. I highly encourage you to read it, uh, but he makes this incredible point that I think is a little bit controversial, and that is this that when we experience suffering and even when we sin, that is what enlarges jesus compassion for us it doesn 't diminish it it 's not neutral. His heart actually swells in compassion for us because he knows our state. (laughs) He knows that we are weak. He knows that we are prisoners and enslaved to sin, and that's why he came to free us. And so, beloved, I encourage you, uh, rather than hiding in your weakness, falling under the weight of shame, run to Jesus. Be willing to share your weakness and struggle with others, because through them, you will experience the grace and compassion of God. And that leads us to our third point. When we help others, we can help others encounter Jesus when we're willing to boast in our weaknesses. Let's look at verses 9 and 10. Paul continues, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For me, there was a turning point uh, over these last few months uh, in regard to understanding what the Lord was doing. I was reading a book by Henry Nouwen, Uh, another incredible author I recommend. He wrote a book on dying and caring for the dying. And he said this, that when we are followers of Christ and we enter into suffering with the Lord, uh, we experience not only his comfort, but through Christ, our sufferings actually become for others. Our sufferings are not just for ourselves, but they are for others. Not in a salvation kind of way, right? Jesus alone is the one who dies for and pays for our sins and gives us new life. But when we follow Christ as his disciples, and again, as we receive our sufferings as from the Lord, he can use our suffering for others. And, of course, this is exactly what I experienced in these networking meetings, right? These people who shared vulnerably their uh, times of weakness, of fear, of pain, of transition, they became for me. They encouraged and strengthened me. They testified to the grace and love of the Lord. And this is exactly what Paul says in chapter 1. We read it earlier, uh, and I think this is the underlying message of both both first and 2 Corinthians. Listen as I read it again, and I think it'll be up here on the screen. Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any way, uh, in any affliction, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. That's a mouthful. but you can see what he's saying. When we enter into affliction, when we enter into suffering and we run to the Lord and we experience his comfort, it's not just for ourselves. It's so that we can then become the conduits of God's comfort for others. He goes on. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Beloved, your suffering is not just for you, just as my suffering is not just for me. And when I read this, something clicked into my brain, and I realized that this time of unemployment, this time of... uh, seeking after the Lord, going through all the stages of grief, it wasn't just for me, but it was for others. And that I now could minister and serve and comfort those who are going through what I'm going through in a way that I never could before. And I'll tell you, it was like a light switch went off. And I realized that this time is not meaningless. This time, because of the, cru- the grace and love and power of Christ is infused with purpose. That God is doing something good through my suffering and loss. And it's incredible. It's incredible to be invited into the work of God that your suffering and experience can bless those who suffer after you. We become walking testimony of God's power, love, and grace. And through us, God is glorified. Because as we are willing to boast, as Paul says, I'm willing to boast in my weakness, not in my strength, not the great things that I've done, not all that I've accomplished, but I'll actually celebrate the things that I am terrible at. The pain that I've experienced, the persecution, and the calamities. Because what I experience in those moments are not my own strength." With the Lord's strength. And again, this is what Paul, this, this incredible, famous verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, We have this treasure, this, this gift of life and adoption in Christ. We, we have this treasure in jars of clay, so that the surpassing power, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are jars of clay. We are fragile. We are weak. And when we're honest about that, what is revealed to those around us is the power and the grace and the love of God. And you see, this is exactly what both Paul and Jesus modeled for us. Jesus was Messiah. He was king of the universe, king of Israel, worthy of all glory, honor, and obedience. And he walked this world uh, not grasping for that pomp and circumstance, being willing to die as a common criminal or a terrible criminal on a Roman cross. Where do we see Jesus' greatest show of strength and power? It's as he's hanging on the cross. And where is God's power and grace most richly? Shining in our lives. It's in our moments of weakness and grace. And so, beloved, I, I encourage you to embrace and even boast in your weaknesses. Where are the places that you are most afraid to be seen? What is going on in your life right now that you are just deeply ashamed? You don't want other people to see. And and believe me, I understand. <laughs> It's not natural to to want to exhibit our weakness in front of others until and unless we have met with the power and the grace of Christ. And so bring that to the Lord first and be willing to share it with others. And eventually, as you receive God's comfort, you'll be free to boast in that weakness so that Christ's power might flow through you. Let me close with this. Uh, final story. I have a friend who is uh, finishing up grad school recently, and they went, and as part of research, they visited an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, and they said, I've never experienced a more welcoming or gracious community than an AA meeting. And that's not the first time I've heard that, but it just struck me as I've been reflecting on, on these things, and, and I think the reason why is because to simply go to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, you're admitting weakness, and the way they structure their meetings, right? How do you introduce yourself? Hi, my name's Matt. I'm an alcoholic. And what are you doing as you, as you do that? You're, you're leading with your weakness. And what you're saying to that person who is, has gathered all the courage they can to come is to say, this is a safe place for you. This is a safe place to receive compassion. This is a safe place to receive help. This is a safe place to admit failure because we can't walk this life alone, right? Isn't that the gospel? Isn't that what we already confess? If we are Christians, we have already confessed the truth that we do not have what it takes. And yet the lie of strength, the lie of, of looking like we have it all together, it often comes into the church, right? Because right? we want to look good in front of our peers, We don't want to be embarrassed. But what would it look like, beloved, if we had this attitude as a church? Hi, my name's Matt. I'm a sinner. I've failed multiple times. And God loves me. And if you have failed, if you're a sinner, you're welcome here. And God loves you too. Because here's what it is. When we boast in our weakness... Not only do we become conduits of grace, but the, the, the community, the congregation, becomes a community of grace. And what we show is not just that this is a community of people where it's safe to be honest, safe to admit sin, safe to admit failure, but that the God we worship is safe. Safe to confess. Full of compassion and reception and healing love. And God is glorified in us. This is what the Lord is doing through his church, beloved. And he can do it here. Encounter Christ in your weakness, encounter his comfort through confessing your weakness, and become a community of grace and compassion by boasting in your weakness. Let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, uh, Lord, thank you that you were willing to go before us. That you even you, Jesus, embraced your human limitations and your human weaknesses yet without sin. Thank you for the apostle Paul who you taught to embrace and boast in his weaknesses. Lord, may we be a church in a world at war in a world that is hurling grenades one at another over walls. Lord, may we be a place of compassion, love, understanding, and grace, and the power of Christ. We ask this for our good in your glory. Amen. Amen. I get this. Thank you, Matt. Nice catch. And now we respond to God's word through bringing, excuse me, through confession. And Matt asked a great question at the end: What is the weakness that you hide? And what's the what's the shame that, that it's hard to bring out of out of the darkness into the light? And just ask the Holy Spirit to give you a moment with that, and then we'll com- pray this prayer of confession together as His people. Go ahead.